Greetings and salutations, my fellow geeks, and welcome to episode 23 of the Okie Geek Podcast. I'm Michael Cross. I'm Devin Green. I'm Joshua Unruh. I'm Nikki Robinson. And our guest this week is the coordinator of the American Pigeon Museum and Library, Jessica Wynn. For those who don't know, the museum is located in Northeast Oklahoma City in the Adventure District on 63rd Street, just west of I-35. Jessica, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now tell us about this this pigeon no i've never heard of it so what is this pigeon museum and library the pigeon museum is actually it started as the american homing pigeon institute in 1973 and these were a bunch of racers that got together and they raced homing pigeons they decided hey let's get a foundation together and let's gather some materials and open a museum and so that's what they did and it took a while in 1993 they purchased about 10 acres of land just north of Remington Park. And they decided to open up a little racing facility there and they got all their club guys together. That's what they call the pigeon racers. And they started racing their pigeons out of this loft right there on the 10 acres of land. And they had all of this material and like the history and awards and different things that you get when you race. And they're like, what do we do with all this stuff? So they decided to open up a small museum. Mm -hmm. And it's right there. If you've obviously never been there, but it was called the World of Wings. And there's a, a red brick house that sits on the property. And they had all of this material and they started setting up exhibits for people to come and look and learn about pigeons. And they have three different lofts there. There's the racing loft, which is where they have the homing pigeons. Then they have a fancy loft. So if you don't know anything about pigeons, there's not just the regular racing homer, the gray guy with the stripes on his back mm -hmm. there are over 350 breeds of pigeons oh, wow. and so white pigeons and black pigeons and pigeons with uh, feathers on their feet and crests on their head and curly feathers it's it's amazing and so about I guess two three years ago they finally opened up the museum that we're in now it's about 6,000 square feet and it's a beautiful facility it's right there on the same property and um, that's what it is. Pigeons have a kind of a negative reputation, I guess it they were. They, they're called rats with wings and stuff. Like that. But there's more to pigeons than people know about. Oh, of course, yes. Well, pigeons obviously have been around for, you know, thousands of years. And they, if you come into the museum, you'll learn about the history of the pigeon. And one of the biggest exhibits that we have when you first walk in, it sort of starts with, um, like biblical times, and they were used for religious purposes. And then it, you sort of follow the history around, and you see that Genghis Khan used them for sending messages when he was doing his conquests, and Reuters used them whenever they were starting the Reuters newspaper, and all the way up to World War II in Korea, which is when the United States used them most for sending messages through, you know, for missions and things like that in the military. And they're wonderful animals. They're very smart. Each one of them has their own distinct personality and identity. And it's just, they're amazing, amazing animals. So how did you come to be involved with the Pigeon Museum? Well, actually, I was working at the Historical Society and had been there sort of off and on for about 10 years in the research division as an archivist. And... Um, I had a, a girl that worked with me part-time, and she also worked at the Pigeon Museum. And the director was about to leave and move to Florida, and 
she said, hey, would you like to come and work with me at the Pigeon Museum? And I was like, the what? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she said, that no. That sounds no, made you. up. I yeah. don't know. Do I? Yeah. And so I was like, well, I guess let me learn a little bit about it. And so I went out there and immediately fell in love mm. with the museum and the pigeons. And I was like, yes, I have to have this job. What do I do? And so I've only been there for about five months. Oh, wow. But I love it. All right, we were talking before, and you said that the, uh, at the entrance they have, like, a coop, I guess, for the pigeons. Yes. They're not there now because it's starting to get cold, and they right. can't they can't uh, be out in the cold weather. But do you have a favorite pigeon? I do. His name is Diego, and he's all black. Um, he's an English trumpeter. He's got some beautiful muffs on his feet, which are the feathers that cover his feet and a crest on his head. So he's got these feathers that actually stick up on the top of his head like a little spike. Does he have a like a mohawk? Like yes. A, like me? Oh my gosh, it. I love it. You would love Diego. <laughs> you would. And he's got this beautiful iridescence. So he's all black, but when you hold him in the sunlight, the feathers around his neck are green and purple and they just shine. Oh, wow. Oh, and he's he's so fun to have. <laughs> and he loves for people to hold him and pet him and... He's awesome. Aww. Is that something that visitors could conceivably do is handle the pigeons? And that's why they get mad at us in the winter when we don't have them is because everybody wants to come and hold them and pet them. And we have some that we sort of let walk around the museum um, (laughs) because some of them don't fly. We have this, the king pigeon, his name is Elvis. Um, Naturally. Right. He looks like a hen. So he's sort of fat and, you know, short legs. Also naturally. (laughs) (laughs) The namesake works. And he just walks around like a little penguin. And, um, yeah, people love to hold them, interact with them. And that's probably the the big draw, really. So question about pigeon racing. You say they're racing homing pigeons, but, and and I'm granting, everything I know about homing pigeons is, you know, being kind of a history nerd with using them for messages in war. Right, so that's right. long distance typically. When they're racing, is it a long distance race? Or? It can be. Yeah. I mean, really what racing nowadays is all about, at least in the United States, is the fastest bird. Mm-hmm. It's really not about long distance. And so you can figure out who the fastest bird is in about 30 to 60 miles. Which is what the typical race is okay. now. That's still pretty. I would still pretty far. For me, that's such a long distance. I wouldn't be able to do it fast. So, <laughs> so how yeah. long? How long does it take for a pigeon to go like 60, can, 30, 60 miles? They can go up to fifty-five miles an hour. Oh wow! Wow, huh. yeah. wow. that's impressive. Mm-hmm. Especially because you know, as the bird flies, literally. Then that would they could actually make some some pretty good distance compared to even us on the highway. Yeah, because they can go straight line. Yeah, and they can go faster if they have a tailwind. It really just mm-hmm. depends sure. on the weather. That's oh amazing. Gosh, now, when yeah. we, why Oklahoma City? You said there was some enthusiasts here, but it seems like an unusual place, Oklahoma City, rather than say like New York or or some of your more highly populated areas. I've heard very different stories, but I think the main story is. There are two clubs, like the West Coast clubs and the East Coast clubs. And I, it's, it's like kind of like rapping. Feud. Yeah, Fantastic. <laughs> it's like rapping. And they just wanted a central location where they could all, you know, come together. And it was an equal distance, and nobody was getting more, you know, influence on the museum than anybody else. That makes sense. Um, and Remington Park, I think, had a lot to do with it. Well, that's why I was wondering, how much being in the Adventure District helped you? You're, you've got the Firefighter Museum, you've got Remington, you've got the zoo, you've got Omni, 
the Oak Science, Science Museum of Oklahoma. <laughs> it's fine. We're all of the right age, Michael. Mm, yeah. right. So, so has that helped being there as well? To, to the people will point out, oh, well, there's also another museum. Yes, and you do have that good relationship with those other museums. You know, we have their brochures, they have our brochures, and so when they go and visit that museum, I would say the Cowboy is probably our biggest mm-hmm. fan. Mm-hmm. The Cowboy Western, the Western mm-hmm. Heritage Museum, yeah. especially. And so they'll send people over. So a lot of people come over with their little circle cowboy museum sticker. But definitely being in that same district and having all those good relationships, it's a wonderful part of town. Where do the pigeons live uh, during, I guess, the off season when it's cold? Like, do they? So they still live on the property. And if you come out to the property, the museum is sort of on one side of what used to be the Deep Fork River. Okay. And on the other side is where the red brick house still is. And we have a pigeon caretaker that lives there with his wife. And then we have the lofts that they live in. And it's a a huge loft. And they can go in there and they fly around. And then he takes care of them the rest of the time. So they're still within reach if we want to go over there and grab one, you know, for an event or something. Or he can bring them over on a Saturday morning. And, you know, we have little smaller cages on the inside of the museum. We can't have that many of them like we do on the outside. Um, But he can bring them over and people can still look at them. So part part of the cold weather is... That, that they just wouldn't survive it. But are is that correct? But you're also, are they tending to want to fly someplace else? So you kind of have to bring them inside so they don't go? No, and the, the fancy pigeons wouldn't um, normally. They're not that kind of a pigeon. They wouldn't fly. But the reason that we keep them over there is mainly because when they're outside, people want me to go out there and get the pigeon out and show them. <laughs> and it's sort of cold for me to do that. Um, but it's just all, it's just not that fun to stand out there in sure. thirty degree mm-hmm. weather and oh. you know handle no, pigeons. No, I agree completely. So this fifty degree weather has already oh, had me yeah. in already this sour anti winter yeah. mood. Yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> so no, having them inside is a lot nicer. I just can't have as many inside as I do outside. Okay. When you talk about you said this is international, do you have a lot of visitors who come from out of the country? What, yes. Where do you get these visitors from? Pakistan and China mm-hmm. seem to be the two largest places right now. Um, we have people that follow us on social media, you know, our Twitter and Instagram pages, and it, it's typically Pakistan, India, and China. They just love the idea of a pigeon museum, and there's only two in the whole world. Um, the other one's is sort of smaller. It's more about art. And I think he only opens like two or three times a year. Oh. It's his own private wow. collection of mm-hmm. pigeon art. And so we're really the only museum, museum about pigeons. Has there ever been thought about, instead of calling it the American Pigeon Museum, about calling it the International Pigeon Museum? And I don't know. I don't know what, there... what, that would be cool if we had that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know the geographical of where p- all pigeons are. Are they all around the world or are they? Yes, they are. And I mean, if you think about like city centers, New York City, London, um, Rome, they're, they love city centers. That's mm-hmm. where they feel the safest is with people. Because they can get and, in the letters in the signs and make birds nests. Because well, that's <laughs> true, too. But they're also, also food. <laughs> oh, and that. But and I'm free from I think predators. <laughs> and yes. free from predators, right. <laughs> I mean, the predators, you know, are out sort of in the countryside. The hawks especially mm-hmm. are their, their biggest predator. And so they are safer in a city center where hawks aren't. No, I'm going with the letters. <laughs> There's letters. Sign <laughs> letters. I can, I can park in letters. It's a complicated narrative in Nikki's head. <laughs> that makes sense and all, but no, it's the letters. So I have a little question about sci- science-y question, or if you know. Uh, how, what is it about the pigeons that make them homing? How did they, 
How do they do this? There is still a lot of research that goes on. I know they've, you know, after a pigeon has passed, they've done a lot of dissection and, you know, looked at their brain. And there's really no exact answer. They're still looking at it. They're still trying to figure it out, whether it's magnets or um, something in the atmosphere, electromagnetic waves. They're just not sure. I mean, if you think about it, they really just want to go home. That's where they're... Mm -hmm spouses that's where their babies are that's where their food is that's where their persons are and i i really think that's just what it is they just want to go home so what how so then how does it how do they leave i mean if i wanted to go home i just wouldn't leave <laughs> somehow they've got to go you've got to send them like in world war ii you had to send them to another area how did you get them to go to that area well you would take them caged Caged, in, I mean, if you come and you look at the different exhibits, there's lots of different ways that they have them. So they would have them in mobile lofts, mm -hmm. and that would be in the middle of the battlefield. And so the mobile loft would be considered their home. And then the soldiers would take them back to headquarters, and then they would release them at headquarters to bring messages back to oh, the mobile okay. loft they're not the flying, center. They're not flying back, back and forth. Right, they're okay. going one Dude, direction. okay, that. That makes much more sense. See, yes. I guess where I was, I was, because of course, I, I, the only thing I know about homing pigeons is from cartoons. So <laughs> I know that they fly back and forth all the time. So basically what you're saying is that there would be like a, or maybe a headquarter place where they were like in London, England. And then they'd take them out into the battle. And then if they wanted to get a message back to London, they would just let them go. That's exactly right. So they would have pigeons that were at headquarters and pigeons that were in the mobile loft out in the battlefield. And they would go in opposite directions. So if they moved the mobile loft, would they still try to go to the mobile loft? They would. That's sort of, they would only do that once or twice mm -hmm. because obviously the pigeon's not going to you know, learn that as quickly. Mm -hmm. So they could only do that once or twice in the battlefield, and then that pigeon would sort of be retired. And if they were a good pigeon, you know, and they were good racers, then they would just use them for breeding purposes out there on the field. And mm -hmm. wasn't there some kind of danger that, that they were being shot down? Oh, yeah. They were definitely being shot at. We actually have a pigeon right now on display, a World War I veteran spike. He's stuffed. Um, they're at the museum. We just make him ever. sit really still. <laughs> um, and he was shot at. We have stories of pigeons. Share me, I know, is a very popular story, how he was carrying his messages and, and was shot in the leg where the message was actually attached and he still flew his mission, still delivered his message. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, they're amazing birds. Very resilient. Mm -hmm. They just want to go home. They just want to go to go to their home. That's so I, sad. That just clears <laughs> up so much for me as far as, like, why they would go. Because, I, like, Mike, I imagine them flying from point A to point B to point C. And, and how I would they never, know? How would right. you tell them? Yeah, exactly. Right. But, th but their, their sense of, of direction, obviously, that's still, we're talking about, if, if we're talking about from, say, Germany to England, to London, England, that's, a, that's an amazing distance. I don't know for... that they would go quite that far. So I would no more than like 300 miles. Okay. So <laughs> no more. Yeah. That's no more. Really that's still I mean, like the distance is. from Oklahoma City to Tulsa. I mean, it's, it, or a little bit further. That's even further. That's, yeah, twice. that's almost the, the length from north to south state that, line of Oklahoma. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the, huh. the north and south of really Oklahoma. Far. That's, yeah. that's still really far. <laughs> yeah, for, for any pigeon to be able to know that, and especially if you're dealing with battles, and, and this was a time before we had any kind of communication like we have it now. And that's why they're so important. Right. I mean, and, and how incredible 
that was to have that, you know, really technology to be able to put a message on a pigeon's leg and know that they're going to take it there. They're going to get that message delivered. They're going to save lives. And they did. They saved thousands and thousands of lives. Wow. About how long do they live? In captivity, they can live. We have actually some that have lived 30 some odd years. Out in the wild, it's not quite as long, five to seven, just because there's not a, you know, a food source readily available. Like we feed them all the time and make sure they're taken care of. But out in the wild, they sort of have to hunt and peck for grain and seed. And so it's not as easy for them and predators. So five to seven in the wild. And when you said spouses, do they mate for life? They mate for life, yes. Very cool. So do you have quite a few? So many heartstrings being (laughs) Right? (laughs) So do you have quite a few breeding pairs, or do do they? We actually don't breed because it's considered a museum collection, really. Oh, wow. And so we, we try to have, like, one of different kinds of species. Now, they'll try to mate, mm-hmm. and they'll lay eggs, but we don't let them hatch just because, you know, we're a museum with a small budget, and so we don't want to have a, a million pigeons running around, um, but we, we actually don't breed them there. They've been bred for, for thousands of years. Do you think that's also where part of the homing comes in, the, the best homing pigeons get bred with the best homing so that they you basically kind of— Put that in there. Yeah, I'm sure that has a lot to do with it. I know that when you're talking about racing pigeons, they'll do similar to what horse racing. Right. You know, that if that's a good pedigree, then they're going to stick with that pedigree. They're going to find the mom and dad that are the fastest and have the smallest bodies and the, you know, tightest wings. Um, so I'm sure that has a lot to do with it, sure. And you said you guys still do racing there. No, we don't any longer. They okay. used to, um, and it actually wasn't that long ago that they stopped. But we have a racing loft there on the property where they would release the pigeons and do the racing. And the American Racing Union is actually right next door to us. And that's sort of where they keep all the records of all the races that happen in the United States. But are there still races going on in Oklahoma City? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all where, the time. Where do those go on? They have different clubs. So they may have an Oklahoma City club or an Edmond club or whatever. I know right now they're actually not happening because of avian flu. Not that pigeons carry it or, um, like, get it out there. But they sort of stop that whenever the avian flu is happening. It's like flu season for birds, right? <laughs> so yeah. they're, they're, they're just it's like putting no. them under, don't want to risk the prize-winning homing pigeon to catch the avians. <laughs> That's amazing. So the collection at the museum, where did the majority of the birds come from? Um, a lot of them were purchased by the board. We've had some that were donated by different breeders around the area, just thinking, oh, well, you need one of my pigeons, you know, so <laughs> yeah. here, have this guy. Um, and we're sort of selective about the ones that we take, for sure. Again, we don't want 100 pigeons. We just really can't afford to take care of that many So we try to limit it, but it's more about, you know, the beautiful different kinds that there are. Mm -hmm. And if you come out to visit us, you'll definitely see, like, the ones with the curly feathers. That astounds me. Um, And we have some that look, they're like little turkeys. They have the little fan tail that sticks up in the back, um, pure white ones. And so this is another thing I don't think I've told you about the the ones that they release at, like, weddings mm-hmm. and the Olympics, you think those are doves, but those are pigeons. They're homing pigeons. They're white homing pigeons. And so when they're released at those events, well, they, go they fly home. So they're not actually releasing them. Yay. Yeah, that's really that good. <laughs> <laughs> so they're not happy they get to go releasing home. doves. No. 
They just they're white. They're, they're white, white pigeons. White pigeons. birds. How and they're beautiful. Uh, we have a whole loft of I those. I feel like I want to go. I need Wikipedia to tell me the difference between pigeons and doves anyway. Like I'm I'm sure that there are them. I don't know anything. I don't know anything about the birds. I was about to dove. ask a veterinary question like do you have <laughs> a, a obviously there must be a bird specialist on the veterinary side but like do you guys have one who is pigeon focused? Okay. Is that like ornithologist? Um, well, we, no, not just like study of but like to keep them healthy. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, I mean the guy that takes care of the pigeons has been raising them since he was little bitty so he sort of knows everything that he needs to know about the pigeons and when they get sick he goes and gets the medicine and takes care of them um but we don't really have anybody on staff no if that's what you mean so what is the difference between pigeons and doves well actually the pigeon comes from the rock dove so they're a descendant of the rock dove so they're in the same family um and very similar very similar looking but if you've ever seen a dove they're generally smaller Mm -hmm. And they don't have as many of the physical characteristics as the pigeons do, but if you see them out in the wild, they're they're very similar looking. You would you would if you had a white pigeon and a dove, you probably flying, you probably wouldn't be able to notice a, a, a layman probably wouldn't be able to notice the difference. You haven't noticed your whole life, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I've been right. watching apparently watching the weddings and yeah, but so 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 typically, but the, the pigeon the doves don't have that homing capability that pigeons do. Not that I know of. Mm-hmm. I, I really don't know what the doves' capabilities right. are. Um, no, I don't know. But I, they would definitely be smaller. I know that. I assume if they did, they would be using doves, though. Yeah. If they did have the homing capability. And also, so I think smaller. Also, you can see if you can see a pigeon better, mm-hmm. it's, it's better to see a release of larger animals. Right. Than, mm-hmm. I just wonder what enterprising person figured this out. Over time, yeah, I mean, uh, time and time. It would have to be, but it's just a fascinating that someone stumbled upon it. Oh, they always go home. They've been doing that at the Olympics for centuries, I think. You know, like the very first Olympics, I think they released white doves Mm -hmm. um, into the sky. So I think they've been doing that for a long time. But it was a sham. They were pigeons. (laughs) (laughs) I'm imagining now the conversation where they let them go the first year, and it's actually doves, and then they're like. It was really expensive. <laughs> <laughs> we might need to think of a, a new plan. Uh, pigeons come back. Oh. oh. Yeah, let's look into that. Let's look into that. <laughs> so they formed a committee. Uh, <laughs> so you talked about Genghis Khan. You talked about uh, the, the, the wars of the 20th century. What other part of history would you say interest, has really grabbed your interest as far as the history of the pigeon, other than those? Really just the military, mm-hmm. how we used them in the war. That was astounding to me because, you know, it's not something I would have thought of, um, but just how we utilized them and how many literally thousands of lives. Probably the other thing they did in the war that was fascinating to me was I, I saw a picture hanging up on the wall in the museum, and I was like, what in the world is that? And you could tell it was a picture, like an aerial picture, um, but you're talking World War II, and did they do that? And I found out that it was a spy camera that they had actually attached oh. to the front of the pigeon, and it just took shot, 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 shots, and like the pigeon was like clicking with <laughs> his hands. This is fantastic. Um, <laughs> but uh, as he's being released, you know, from the plane, it's just click, 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 clicking on his way down. And so then when he lands, the people, you know, can take the film and develop it, and they have spy camera footage, which 
Again, fascinating. <laughs> like, so who would have The original that. drones. Yeah. Right? Oh, my gosh. That's yeah. Awesome. <laughs> See, you never think about that. I think I just changed my NaNoWriMo theme. No. <laughs> Mid-go. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> Save yourself. Next year. Next year. Start, start. yes, start planning your pigeon novel now. <laughs> what pigeon novels? Has there been much fiction writing about uh, There was the, a movie. I remember a cartoon, like an animated film came out about homing pigeons in London, I believe. A long there time. was a, yeah, a Disney film. And yeah. I, mm-hmm. now the name completely escapes me. We have a copy of it at the museum. We don't show it that much. Um, yeah, there's quite a few authors, quite a few books, actually, that we have at the museum. Children's books especially. Um, Mo Willems, I don't know if you guys have yeah. ever heard of him. My kids he's, love Mo Willems. Yeah, he's done a I whole series on pigeons. A that whole pigeon series. is so sassy. Yeah. Mo Willems. Don't let the pigeon, pigeon drive the bus. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know the pigeon. Yeah. Yes. I want to drive the tracks. bus. You never let me do anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Was it the pigeon wants the cookie or something? Mm-hmm. The, the pigeon needs a bath. Yeah. Oh, that one just came out. I saw that. Awesome. <laughs> pigeon wants to drive the bus. Pigeon wants cookie. I stand with the pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> Very smart. But don't let the pigeon drive the, pigeon the bus. <laughs> I love those books. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I do. I remember the animated uh, movie about the. I don't remember what it was called, but but it's again. It it it, it seemed to show that the pigeons were really kind of. They knew where they were going from one place to the other. So, but I'm saying that's from, I mean, more of an historical look at, even if it's fiction-based, are there some books like that that kind of look at how the pigeons were used and things like that? Yes, and I think there's actually one being written right now. Um, but yeah, they've definitely, there's a book about Cherami, the pigeon who was shot twice mm-hmm. and still yeah. delivered its message. Um, there's definitely some books about those. That'd be fascinating. Very cool. So do you do many activities with uh, school visits or or school children or do you tours? Yes, both. Actually, we have quite a few school groups that will come to the museum and the grounds are so beautiful, especially before it gets cold. Um, Just walking around the 10 acres and it's just, it's a beautiful property that any of that property over there sort of near Remington Park where all the trees are and everything, it's gorgeous. And so they come around, They come over there and they can look at, you know, the pigeons and walk around the museum and then walk around the grounds and they'll um, have their lunch there, picnic or whatever. Is it free access and on the whole t- 10 acres? It's free. It's completely free admission to the whole thing. Oh, wow. Um, and then we take birds to schools. That's and so idea. Diego is, you know, <laughs> he's usually the bird that I like to take. But we'll take one or two birds to different, you know, classrooms and, and show them and like daycares and things like that. Again, it's free. I, I just love doing it because the, the reaction of the kids, oh, you know, the getting to touch and it. pet the pigeons. That's super exciting. Well, a lot, no, a lot of kids are told don't touch birds because, you know, they have a lot. Of, so it's a really unique experience for them that they actually get to touch the bird. Because yep. how many times have you, I remember as a kid like being like that three foot distance mm-hmm. and like they're kind of walking away and you're kind of following them and <laughs> you're just wanting to touch it. Mm-hmm. Can't. So. I was pretty specific on the New York trip this summer. Do not touch the pigeons. <laughs> yes. So don't, yeah, don't touch you're anything right. in New York city. Is <laughs> wow. Wow. New York is like, we heard that. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know where it's been. Sorry. Yeah. New York. Harsh. So about how many pigeons do you have? We have about 20 okay. That, okay. that are just our own collection. 
the gentleman that actually lives next door, he has a lot of his own personal birds. So if you come over there, you'll see a lot of different kinds of birds, more than just ours, but they're his. And so, um, but we, like I said, we try to keep a variety of the different kinds of breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got Jacobins and Capuchins and um, a Vorberg Shield Cropper. It's beautiful. Pomeranian Powders. Um, just the list goes on and on. Great names. Yeah. So are the fancy ones, I, I mean, and I'm doing this based on other show animals, are, are the fancy ones more for show and then That's there exactly are work? Right. That's exactly The racing right. are probably more yeah, less, and less showy, more geared towards work. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah and that's yeah. sort of how I, when I tell people the difference, you know, between the homing pigeons and the fancy pigeons, I, you know, it's sort of like dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you've got your dog that has the curls and you've got your dog that has the spots and that's exactly what pigeons are like. You have the different, you know, fancy pigeons and one guy just loves his pigeon and only thinks his pigeon is worthwhile and um, it's exactly like that. Yeah, so you'll have these shows every year, national conventions that they have, and everybody brings their birds and sort of shows them. And there's contests, who has the prettiest, you know, king pigeon. or And there's, like, certain beauty standards yes, that, that they exactly meet up right. to and everything. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly right. <laughs> I never knew that there were so many different types of pigeons, because you only think of that one, you know, that you see mm-hmm. yeah. in the letters. The ubiquitous. <laughs> City pigeon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And These letter pigeons. <laughs> they are, I don't know what they're technical. They, they're ones that make the nest in the letters. I just think of the pigeons on Animaniacs. That's the only thing I <laughs> The good feathers, right the, on. The, the good feathers, yes. <laughs> Do I make you laugh? Am I a clown? So somebody shows up. Uh, they've never been there for what can they expect to see when they walk into the well the, the first thing you see are the pigeons right outside the door and then I sort of try to meet people there at the door and talk to them about the different kinds that are outside and then ask them do you want to hold one or do you want to pet one and and then after we you know get through that I take them inside the museum we have about a 10 minute clip a wonderful documentarian Jim Jenner who is a pigeon person um, put together these films for us to show at the museum. And it's about a 10-minute clip I usually show to people. It gives them a wonderful history of the pigeons, sort of what they've done in the United States and and how people utilize them now. And then I just show them around the different kinds of exhibits we have. We have a wonderful artist exhibit right now. Um, her name is Ashley Dietrich, and she is a pigeon rehabilitator. Mm-hmm. And also an artist in wonderful, beautiful artwork that she does on these pigeons. They're pigeon portraits. And so people will either send her photographs of their pigeons or she'll take photographs of these pigeons, and then she paints them. And they're fabulous. That's wonderful. I Plus love also, that. she rescues and rehabilitates them, and that just makes it even better, I think. Um, and so we have different artist exhibits right now. Um, hers and then we have another lady the mighty pigeon artist and her name is Dana Marie Holzer and she does just wonderful fabric pieces with pigeons and cartoon pigeons um, illustrations just wonderful things Um, and so then I'll show them around you know the different things and then just little you know pieces of exhibits this is what a message looked like you know during the war or this is you know what they put on the camera this is what they were held in and this is You know, just different pieces like that. And then we have a smaller exhibit that's just, you know, our racing exhibit. Mm -hmm. Sort of show them. Because the guys that started the museum, like I said, they were mostly racers. And we 
memorialize them and we know that we wouldn't be there if it wasn't for them. So we have a history that's just for those guys. Okay, you said you meet people at the door and you like ask mm-hmm. them, what's the best reaction you've gotten, like either a kid or an adult, to holding a pigeon? Uh, probably the best reaction is I can hold it. <laughs> <laughs> really? I mean, yeah, can I? Yeah, absolutely. Have you had like kids freak out when you try to let them hold it? I've had a few that will, you know, jerk back. Um, and it's I never let them hold them on their own because you just never know. Kids might, well, let them go and see them release into the wild. Um <laughs> But, yeah, the, most people, I mean, if you're coming to the Pigeon Museum, mm-hmm. you're not going to be one of those people that has a bird phobia, I wouldn't <laughs> think. So you're <laughs> probably not going to be like, ah, get away from me with that bird. Um, most people are really excited. I Aww. think Devin and I just had the same mental image of, I'm going to find that one friend of mine with a bird phobia. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm where we're going. I'm going to take him to the Pigeon Museum, and then the Lord. I'm going to make him hold one. <laughs> Special kind of masochism. So how do people utilize pigeons these days? You mentioned in the film, what are modern day uses? Well, I mean, in, in the United States, it's, it's more a hobby. Okay. You're not going to use them as a working pigeon. Um, but around the world, and I mean, if you think about countries that may not have what we have as far as communications and technology, they still use them for sending messages. Yeah. And, you know, over there, like I said, if they race them, for money, then that could be their, that's their life. That's mm-hmm. their work, racing pigeons, you know, raising them and, and developing a good racing home. And, I mean, that's how they, unfortunately, there are some people that still eat them. Squab, sure. yeah. heard of it. Um, I lived in China, I know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's a whole other industry. Um, yeah, that's pretty much, I mean, in the United States, it's mainly just a hobby. So if you were interested in getting into this hobby, you said there's some clubs here? Yes, and the gentleman that lives next door is probably the first person I send most people to. His yeah. name is Alberto Gandara, and he's wonderful. And I'll I'll just call him up or text him and say, hey, there's somebody here that's really interested in starting a loft of their own. And he'll come over and sort of tell them, okay, this is what you're going to need in the beginning. And we do have some, you know, small worksheets. If you think you might want to, this is what you think you might want to do. Make sure you check it out with your legal authority. Can Mm -hmm. you have a pigeon loft in your backyard? Mm -hmm. Because some city ordinances, you can't. Um, So, yeah, I really just check with Alberto next door. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Would you need quite a bit of property or could you do this? No. If it were mm-hmm. legal and we're not, you know, no, we're, we're, not not we're not experts we're endorsing, <laughs> but you know, if it were legal, you don't need a lot of. No, you don't really. And I, I know people that keep them as indoor pets. Okay. Um, if you're oh, on no. Instagram. <laughs> no, no, no. No. No, no, Negatory. no. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You have to, if you're on Instagram, camp the pigeon. You must. There's actually an, an art Camp exhibit on him it. right now by the Swedish uh, artist. It's wonderful. It's in Chicago. I think it just opened up last week. And he, they found his egg underneath a refrigerator unit outside their apartment. Didn't know what it was, didn't know what to do with it, but didn't want to kill it. So they brought the egg inside, and they hatched it, and it was this pigeon, and they were like, what in the world do we do with this pigeon? And so they found out what they feed it, and they 
at it. And now it walks around their apartment. It's like a member of their family. It's <laughs> wonderful. No, no, no. I you can't have help to. you. I cannot help you with that. <laughs> you have to. And they actually have a really, I don't think I would go over so well They coo, don't they? They coo, it's like It's really dove. adorable. It's not an ugly noise no. at all. It's a very sweet noise. Oh, the cooing? Yeah. Oh, I love that sound. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, that's I, one of that's my That's one of the things I love, too. Until they dive bomb you in your sleep, Michael. No. <laughs> I think you have more of a risk with a dog. They're very like smart. Never. Okay. I'm being told now. I think I found the person with the fear of birds here. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's not a phobia. They're just not living in my house. Listen, they have diapers. Listen, I'm going to be honest. They oh, have diapers. diapers. <laughs> okay, you need to get on your phone and insta- right now camp the pigeon. I'm telling you, you will fall I'm, in the I'm, Does he uh, wear the diapers? Yes. I'm listening. I'm doing he it He wears now. the little pigeon diapers? Pigeons yes. and pants, people. There's actually Pigeons actually diapers. That's yes. a new book. That makes sense, though. Yes. Because you don't want them pooping all over your house. There you go. That gets to be a mess. That's yeah. right. Or how is it any worse than any other bird living in your house? I don't, I don't think Josh has any birds in his house. <laughs> I know birds can go over over real well in my house. I'm animals as a whole, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, I've got a dog, and that's pretty much all I would probably end up doing, too. But two evil cats. I've apparently acquired a kitten. By the way. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> I found a kitten if you need one. <laughs> nice try. <laughs> I like that optimism. At Retro Robinson. At Retro Robinson. <laughs> There's with a free kid. She's kitty. beautiful, but I can't have cats at my house. So what are your what are your hours? We're open on Fridays and Saturdays from ten to four. And then by appointment. And I get a lot of people, especially pigeon people who are sort of driving through um, they'll call me on a Sunday night and say, I'm only going to be driving through Oklahoma City for three hours tomorrow on Mondays or any way we can come by. Most of the time, as long as there's not, you know, just something drastic going on, I'll open up the museum for most people. That's wonderful. Awesome. So do you get enough pigeon time at work or do you have any at home? Or you? I don't have any at home. I wish do you have did. lots of time with them at work <laughs> and I get to clean out their stuff at mm-hmm. work and when they're walking around and... Um, no diapers for those. I was going to say, do you ever think about the pants? <laughs> Pigeons and no, pants. I probably should. Just should. saying, yeah, because yeah, pigeon pants is great. <laughs> it might be my next band name. I, don't know. <laughs> I am looking at Camp, and I'm going to tell you, he is a lovely bird. Especially all the more lovely for not living at my house. <laughs> He's lovely over there. That's right. Yeah, that's how I feel about dogs. I'm like, I love your dog. Yeah. Well, yeah, I want a dog. A, <laughs> other people's children. I mean, they all <laughs> fall into the same. <laughs> right. You don't want them in your house either. Right? You no, they're back. lovely over there. That's right. Good deal. Well, thank you very much for oh, stopping thank in. Thank you so much. I do want to talk to everyone else about NaNoWriMo real quick. Okay. How are we doing? Well, you can join too. Are you yes. writing a novel this month? No. You know, yeah. you know what NaNoWriMo <laughs> is? Good for you. NaNoWriMo is the National Novel Writing Month, and it's taking place this month in November, and the goal is to get 50,000 words by December 1st. And we are trying to do that. It is. How's everybody doing? <laughs> it's a slog. I have written like 10,000% more than I did last year. Congratulations. So is that 10,000? So you got 10,000 words. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that's great. That's actually fantastic. That's, that's super behind, wonderful. I was. Oh no, I was behind about two or three days ago. I was only had like nine thousand. I did manage to actually push it up to thirteen thousand. But still, I'm. That's You're where I'm right, at. Right I'm right behind you. I'm at like twelve. So. And you have double, don't you? When we're supposed to be at twenty five thousand by you Monday. Oh yeah. No, I'm basically Kevin and I are on point. Are you? Counts, I. You know how behind I was talking. I was last yeah. week. I wrote. I don't know. 
six thousand words last weekend and caught up. There you go. And uh, I mean, I'm I'm a little behind right now. I, I haven't done anything today, and I was a little I was a little bit behind for yesterday, but so I'm not right on point. But I I will be by Monday. It's yeah. These sprints, do you guys are you guys taking part in any sprints? No. Or are you I, all alone? I haven't done any sprints yet. I haven't done any sprints. Um, I meant to this week, and I just because I have a couple of coworkers, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're we're sprinting, you know, at the office, and we've actually started experimenting. So I I wrote uh, I, I write about seven or eight hundred words in a fifteen minute sprint. Mm-hmm. So we did a thirty minute sprint. And I only wrote 1,200 words. And I was like, well, hell with that. We're, <laughs> we're going right back to these 15-minute sprints when I write two of them and am done for the yeah, day. Yeah. I like those. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, yeah. it's the They're pretty useful. I mean, I, it, it's just a different mental space than yeah. I'm going to write for the next 30 minutes. And you're going to get out as much as you can. But when you say, I'm sprinting. So it's like you're giving yourself permission to pay no attention to other humans or yeah. dings or you know any concern other than, well, it's only 15 minutes. Just focus on the right. words. That again, I'm crazy useful. fast typist, mm-hmm. um, which is part of the, the 800 words in right. that amount of time. Yeah. But I think well, that's a lot. I now understand what you're talking about with the week two because that's what we just went through was week two. And mm-hmm. I understand. I, I didn't have time. No. To sit and, and write, and I'm like, oh, I have no ideas. I don't know what I want to do. All the joy uh, wears off in week two. Is. I yeah. had, for the first time ever. You've actually done work during week two. I have not had the doldrums of week two. Wow. And, and I was really worried about it. Was because see, after, spending, like. <laughs> after spending two days basically nonstop, you know, catching up whenever uh-huh. I wasn't doing anything oh, else. Yeah. I I mean, six or 7,000 words in a couple of days is a lot. Um, I was expecting to, uh, oh, that's a good way to set up week two, stupid. But no, it's, uh, I don't know. I I think I, I had a couple of um, plot revelations that were, that this is a thing I had planned out. And I still went, oh, no, that's better. And it's actually better. And so that's kind nice. of, I don't know. That's, that's where I'm at right now. And that's why I think for the past three days, I've actually been able to write a lot faster. I mean, I've, I've, I've done about 2,500 words in the past two days oh, just dude. because... I mean, two day each mm-hmm. for the mm-hmm. two days. And I figured that's what I need to do to get to the 50,000 is about 2,500 words. And I figure I can do that now that I've kind of got this. Second week. This, yeah. I mean, it's. It was hard. I, this it is, was harsh. I, I really mm-hmm. can't remember. This is the fifth, sixth, seventh, somewhere in their time that I've done it. And every other time, especially the first one when I didn't know anything mm-hmm. and was like, why does it suck so bad? Yeah, why is it so hard? <laughs> this was so good last week and is so terrible uh-huh. now. Um but even knowing does not save you. This is the first time, the first time that the second week has ever not done me in. And I, I don't know. I don't know. See, Jessica, you should do NaNoWriMo about a pigeon next week. There you go. Next I next think year. I'm going to. You've got all the material you need at your fingertips. 1,667 words a day, yeah. every day for the month of November. That's okay. the, yeah, that's the theory. It is doable. <laughs> yeah. And of course, we've, like I said, fallen behind. How has your experience been, Devin? It's been good. It's still, it's, I'm still on board with the team writing thing, which... I'm with, kind with of amazed. Kevin, because you've yeah. been co-writing with Kevin. I'm writing with my husband, yes, Kevin. And um, no, the the teamwork aspect is freaking great because I love being able to, you know, so much of writing in my experience takes place in your head, and being able to objectively put it out there mm-hmm. and get some feedback immediately is a new and valuable experience and something I I I really like. It's it's you know for I 
My Even writing... when the feedback is, this is terrible. Yeah. Start I mean, well, I mean, no, we've, we've given each feedback. other permission to no, be just true. unvarnished, absolutely yeah. critical, absolutely honest. And that's what and first drafts are anyway, and Nano just a re- Yeah, but it, you, makes it, it even all that so. normally takes place in my head, that unvarnished, honest, you know, and mm-hmm. so I'm still not very objective. It's still happening inside. And so just being able to put it out on the table and not be so emotionally attached to it, it it's given, it's freed me up a little bit. So that's it's awesome. it's nice. If anything comes out of this, it's... That I collaborate well with my husband. There you go. <laughs> so that's cool. It's good to know. Nikki, you said you're about 10,000 words. How has your experience been so far? Um, Right now, I'm having trouble getting from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Like, I know what I want to happen, but getting there to it to happen, because it's like, I can't just jump to it. Because yeah. things need part. to happen in between. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they can't just magically do the thing. And uh, I actually started and then jumped ship and started something else like uh-huh. second second I remember day you in, saying that yeah. second, oh, second day, day in so right, it was pretty right. pretty new but i really like where i'm going um i have already come to terms that i am probably not going to win <laughs> so but you're 10,000 percent up over but one year like i said and so that. and but i think it w- it has uh prompted me to continue writing because i had That's stopped cool. for two or three years mm-hmm. um through some life issues and it has definitely helped me pick it back up and enjoy it again. I'm right there with you. Mm-hmm. It's really and me too. I'm, I've never, I've never, I've written, but never really in this style of mm-hmm. actually trying to get through an entire novel. So it's been a lot of fun and I've enjoying it. How's your experience going? Well, I, it's really pleasant. I mean, I don't, I it, it, just nice surprises. I, you guys know I was, I was traveling a lot all summer and I mean, making yeah. words on a daily basis was a thing I was doing a lot for mm-hmm. months and months. And then it just stopped because I wasn't, you know, I was not able to fit that in. And both the reminding myself stuff that I've learned three times already. Um, I mean, I wrote a heist. Like there's a heist in the middle of the story. That's actually what stopped me before because I hadn't planned out the heist. And this time I was like, eh, you got enough of the heist. Just start writing the thing. And it's, it's pretty tight, like for not being planned out. Like there's Love one it. huge problem big enough that you can see from space, but then telling somebody else about that, I was like, oh, oh, hold on, I fixed it. And yes. I just put it in a note. Don't fix it now, it goes in a note. So like that, and then this huge, uh, well, I say it's a pretty subtle shift really in, in from the plan, but the ramifications are big. Like the story just got better. Yeah. And it was in the middle of me doing one of these sprints that I was like, Oh yeah, she totally finds out before them. Done. So yeah, nice. no, it's um, it's nice, and it's a thing that's needed to be finished for a long time. Because I'm cheating. Remember? Yeah, you're, yes, you're, I'm you're finishing three different works. You're not right? cheating. Yeah, you're you're just well, I mean, doing... I'm gonna finish how much, whatever I can get finished yeah. because uh, th- this is part of sort of a uh, this is the middle of three short stories that I want to put together um, about the same couple of characters, and so I'm at this point. I'm likely going to finish just these short stories, but I have things behind them if they, if they, if I turn out to write faster or they turn out to be shorter than I expect. Right. Which has they not been themselves. the problem with this one. <laughs> this one is a lot longer than I expected is it? it to be. So, right. well, next week I think we're going to talk just to kind of do news of November mm-hmm. of, of of geeks type stuff and a lot to talk about. Right, and we won't do one for Thanksgiving. So just to let you know we are taking Thanksgiving Day week and Thanksgiving weekend off. So we'll we'll catch us back up. In November. So that's our show. You can find us on Twitter and email at gmail, okigeekpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. We and, need to hear all the places we can find out and, about uh, the Pigeon Museum online. Space, right, Jessica, right? Where, can we, where can people find out on, on 
the World Wide Web about the museum? TheAmericanPigeonMuseum.com. AmericanPigeonMuseum.com. And you right. also on so Twitter and, and Facebook, right? We do. The American Pigeon Museum. And they all have the the in them. Actually, I don't think Twitter does. It's a subtle distinction, but I important. Think, I think Twitter does not have the. It's just American Pigeon American Museum. Pigeon Museum. Search American Pigeon Museum. American Pigeon Museum. Very excellent. Do you post pictures of the pigeons? Yes. That's all I, I need all to see. Well, you mentioned Instagram, so that's. <laughs> well, and we also Instagram have a calendar coming out oh, cool. next week of it's got 12 of our pigeons in there. Oh, oh that's they're so adorable. cute. So, so cute. if you're a pigeon enthusiast out there, you definitely need to know about Pigeon Museum. And even if you're not, yes, you know, I, totally I would totally buy a pigeon. Yeah, pin up calendar like so in little I. fireman outfits and FedEx. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. Be great. <laughs> pigeon Barca. pants. Pigeon pants. In their pigeon, nothing but their pigeon pants. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a license to print money. People. <laughs> we'll be hundredaires. Right. <laughs> um, Devin, where can people find you on the web? You can find me at Wubba. That's W-U-V-V-A. Joshua. You can find me at Joshua Unruh on Twitter. And for anybody who is also a Girls Blame listener, we're going to hit you with a double header Monday. You will have two say. to catch up. Um, I'm going from here to record them. So it's be on the lookout if you are interested in Supergirl things. And I thought the little thing I love about Girls Blame is you guys don't necessarily have to stay with Supergirl. No, because I mean, it, the, it, there's going to be a break. Uh, I mean, like, that's how network TV works. So there'll be a break, and I can virtually guarantee the first thing we'll do is argue about Sailor Moon. There you we, go. We have really strong feelings about each other's strong feelings about Sailor Moon. So, yeah. I'm in. There's a yeah. lot of feelings there. There's, yeah, strong feelings. There. I know nothing about Sailor Moon. So. That's well. She that's fights evil by I'm moonlight. In. That's that's the only and, thing. Yes, I, I, there's, there's, there's the anime. And that's about it. Yeah, mm, reasonably accurate. Fighting <laughs> I, evil I, by I don't moonlight. know if I ever saw her. Actually, like most of them took place in the day. A most lot of her of battles. It's yeah. It's catch as catch can. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Nikki, where can people find you? I am at Retro Robinson on Twitter, and I also run the Facebook page. So hit us up at Okie Geek Podcast on Facebook. Please do. You can find me at KOSU Michael C. Be sure and subscribe to the podcast. Also rate us and leave a comment. Until next time, along with Jessica Wynn, I'm Michael Cross. Devin Green. Josh Unruh. Nikki Robinson. Reminding you to keep calm and geek on.